You are listening to an audio recording from the ministry of Jefferson Town Bible Church in Jefferson Town, Kentucky, where we gather to proclaim God's Word. For more information, please visit jtownbible.org. Grab your Bible and flip on over to uh, 2 Corinthians. That'll be the first stop in our lesson this morning. Later on toward the end, we plan. I'll try to have a little discussion. I want to take us on a little journey here looking at uh, starting out with uh, the, the conduct of the Christian as we respond to the cross from the old creation to the new creation. And then uh, the riches that we have because of being in Christ. And then end with uh, how to pass that on, thinking about what to, what to do with this, and not to keep the, the beauty hidden, but some ideas on how to uh, share our faith, some uh, encouragement as to why we share our faith, and what we have, uh, what the gospel message offers people as we, as we do so. So I think you'll, en- I hope you'll enjoy it. I hope you'll get some, get some good, uh, good information out of it this morning that'll be helpful to you. But over in 2 Corinthians, um, I will read uh, from chapter 5 and verse 17. After that, uh, have a word of prayer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In verse 18, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Father, thank you so much for the class this morning. I pray that you will be honored. I pray that you would uh, keep the message clear and concise, Lord, and that it would bring you the glory that you deserve. Thank you so much for the folks that gather together to center on your word, to be encouraged by it, challenged by it, uh, because it is the rock of which our lives should be built. And Father, we just praise you for your goodness and look forward to what you're going to accomplish this morning. In Christ's name I pray, amen. All right, now, thinking about uh, the, the relationship between the old creation and the new creation and how it's determined by the cross, and the, I want to kind of outline a little bit about what the old creation looked like in contrast with the, with the new creation, just to kind of set the stage here to start with and then, then move on from there. But uh, the old creation, uh, in 1 John... Uh, is referred to as it lying in the evil one. And the new creation, we are in Christ here in first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. We see that we are created new in Christ. In the old birth, at the old birth, the birth of the flesh, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. We live after the flesh. We're born in sin. That's how we start out. <laughs> And uh, when we come out, we come out ready. We, we, nobody teaches us how to lie and deceive and cheat and all those kinds of things. We have to learn how to not do those things. I mean, those of us with kids know that all too well. And, uh, of course, having been kids ourselves, we've uh, participated in that sufficiently, I'm sure. But uh, in the new birth, being born again, 
not of corruptible seed, but of the incorruptible, as we read in 1 Peter chapter 1. The old nature, where we were sons of disobedience, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, we're the children of wrath, and at that time as children of wrath, children are being born in the flesh, we're fulfilling the desires of the flesh. That's what we chase after. But the new creation, as we are we experience the new birth, the regenerating work of Christ, that uh, in, in uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, that we might be partakers of the divine nature to seek those things which are of God because of being, being in Him, being new in Christ. Um, also, the old desires uh, from uh, Jeremiah 17, that the, he tells us there that uh, the heart is deceitful, and is desperately wicked. Who can know it? The, uh, the desires of the heart in the new birth, uh, going back to the New Testament, Colossians, if ye be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. That does not come naturally to us, as we very well know. We naturally seek after the things that are of the flesh, the things that give us the momentary gratification, that temporal gratification. The things that are of Christ are the things that are going to last for eternity. Those things that are going to get us looking past our uh, noses, if you will, to take on that eternal perspective for the things that are going to matter uh, on the long term. Now, our walk in the old walk, in times past, we walked according to this world. Now, we don't stay in step with the world as Christians. We have a new walk. A uh, new walk is uh, seen in 1 Corinthians, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's the step that we begin to march to as a new creation in Christ, moving from the old creation, being born of the flesh, to the new creation, doing all to the glory of God. Because then in the old creation, we served an old master. Um, we, we served ourselves. We were, we were given to our own fleshly desires. We were our worst own enemy. I mean, certainly Satan and the principalities and the powers of the air and all that are certainly making things as difficult as they possibly can to steer us in this spiritual battle away from Christ. But we're prone to wonder, just as the hymn writer said ourselves, even, even without that. But we have a new master now that we are in Christ. Matthew chapter 23 one is your master, even Christ, Chapter 20, Matthew 23 and verse 10. The world has lusts thereof, and those lusts, as we are in a new creation, should pass away. We will struggle with that. Of course, naturally, that won't be fully realized until we step out into glory, either by death or by rapture. Um, and then he that doeth the will of the Father... Those things that, that we do in his name, they will not pass away, but yet they abide forever. The wood, the hay, and the stubble, all that's burned up in judgment. But the gold and the silver, the precious things, those eternal things that are determined by God, by the word of God, and by following and living in obedience to him, those things do abide forever. So, all that to kind of set the stage of where we're from, where we're going. And what all of it means in between. The lust of the flesh proclaims a, a, a principle of self-gratification. It appeals to the carnally minded man. 
uh, it, those unsatisfying pleasures of the world, which seem satisfying at the time, but the difference there being they're not satisfying because they don't last forever. They don't abide forever. They, will, they, they pass away. But the love of the Father proclaims a principle of self-dedication self uh, that appeals to the spiritually minded man or dedicated, disciplined disciples that uh, seek to serve Christ, seek to serve that new master, to set our affections on the unsearchable, unsearchable riches of Christ. And I want to come back, I will come back to that unsearchable riches of Christ and talk about what that rich, those riches of Christ are. Because that's a, that's a pretty spectacular thing to learn about in Scripture, of what we have in Christ, what we have because of Christ, what it means to be with Him and to, uh, to be uh, children of God. Uh, but uh, uh, continuing on here, uh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the flesh proposes a program of earthly things, as opposed to the love of the Father proposing a program of heavenly things. You know, we're the earthly things are calling for earthly friendships. They they're providing for earthly enjoyment. You know, I see so many things even in my own workplace if I were to just change my language at my workplace it would mean my relationships I'd have I'd have more opportunity things would change it would change the dynamic just in the way I talk but I don't I just can't I can't because I don't feel like it brings God the glory that he deserves um, then uh, you have uh, the, the 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 earthly enjoyments, the temporal enjoyments, you know. Um, one of the things, you know, I think in, in being around so many times, I, I talk to people and it just seems like they don't know how to have a good time unless it involve, involves alcohol. And I'm like, I don't, I don't need alcohol to have a good time. You know, I, I know how to do it. I know how to do it otherwise. And uh, those things, and, and what that does is that begins to get control and it begins to dictate and determine how people act, what they do, how they function. And uh, those, those are earth, and they become entrenched in these earthly uh, enjoyments, loving the, things of the, loving the things of the world, cleaving to go back to some of that good old King James language. I like some of that King James language. It paints a nice, clear, distinct picture. But we, 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 we cleave to the things that are evil. And, and sometimes as another instance of which we see cleaving happen is when we leave our home and we, we cleave to our spouse and we build that, you know, you see that picture of cleaving, you know, they begin to give themselves wholly and entirely to things that are of the world and things that are t temporal. Um, and these, these, and, and, and what happens here is they begin to see these things, this, as, uh, as, as important, as, as desirable, and looking at the things whenever they look at, at, at the new master, at what Christ expects of them as he becomes Lord of their lives, they see those as unreasonable sacrifices. But we know as believers, in response to the gospel, the way that Christ has us live in thanks for what he's done, not because we're trying to get something we don't already have. He, we have everything in Christ because he gave it to us. He provided that when he died on the cross and paid the penalty for our sins. It is 
a reasonable service for us to give ourselves from him. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 make that plain. Uh, that is our reasonable sacrifice. The love of the Father, when we, when we love the Father as opposed to loving the flesh, you know, he, he, this program of heavenly things, he's calling for heavenly fellowship. That's what we seek to have as we come here because we know that the fellowship of like-minded believers helps keep us on track. We can't do it without it. Each one of you has a distinct and important purpose in, in my own success and mine and yours as we sharpen each other to live for Christ, to live, um, to live cons uh, holy and consistently for Him. Um, we seek to love not the things of the world, to cleave to the things that are good, because those are a reasonable sacrifice. I think I'll go back here to Romans chapter 12 and read that verse. I could probably quote it, but if I do, I'm, I'm unsure of myself. I might say it, stumble over that, and not say that correctly. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And that is what we do. We don't only know it, but we show others. We prove it as we live it, as we experience it, that it's right, that it's good. And then it also, it, it witnesses to others, proving yet to them that it is right and that it is good and it is how we should live. Because it is what matters for eternity. The lust of the flesh presents a peril of identification with the world, thereby becoming an enemy of the cross. That is the peril, becoming that enemy of the cross, which is in turn subject to the judgments of God. As opposed to loving the Father, which presents the privilege of identification in Christ, thereby becoming an ambassador of the cross, which is subject to the rewards of God. God does reward us for that obedience. I mean, that's a scriptural, that's a biblical doctrine that we have. And in fact, I told you I would come back and talk about those riches that we have in Christ, because I don't know about you, but I am, I'm motivated by reward. And uh, Christ does, does uh, reward us for that for that obedience. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So that inheritance, that incorruptible, incorruptible inheritance that we have in heaven that is waiting for us, that is kept by His power. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of excited about that. I look forward to stepping out into that and, and things being, you know, not having sin. There won't be those goodbyes. There won't be those the, the hunger the crying, the pain, all those things being washed away in the perfect and, and plentiful house of God um, where, where there, shall, there won't be want, want, there won't be the, the poverty. 
his, uh, the riches, those riches, those same riches there that I'm talking about, you know, all those things, and so much more than I haven't even mentioned. His riches become our riches. Those, the, the inheritance that we have in the unsearchable riches of Christ. He had a position, his riches, that, that, that he was in that position. Christ was there from eternity past. And he set those things aside. The Son of God, who was at one with the Father, he was given all power. He was on the highest throne. And he who was rich for our sakes became poor that we then might be rich. Now, I continue with that. He made himself, as we know in Philippians, of no reputation. He made himself in the likeness of men. And now we want to remember where we were in our poverty and our sins, our position as sons of Adam that made us partake, partakers or part of, if you will, the, 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 the race of the sinful race of men which was only one race, I might say. That's the human race. But God in His carnation, incarnation, He became part of that. He took on the reputation of sin, made Himself of no reputation and took on the likeness of men. So as many then as receive Him, He gave us power to become the sons of God so that His riches and His position as a son of God he makes us sons of God inheriting with him so we are one with the father reconciled with him and then as revelation chapter 1 and verses 4 through 6 say we are kings and priests with him we begin to reign with him in fact I'll, I'll flip over there and uh, read that because that's a that's a that's a that's an important verse um right in the beginning of the book of Revelation. Chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. Uh, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. That is Jesus Christ. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever. Amen. What a glorious time. What an awesome thing to think of there, of what we, of what we can partake of, as Christ gives us the position in his family as a child of God, not making us God. I'm not, you know, to be, to, to clarify here with, uh, you know, where we used to live in, in, in uh, Utah, the Mormon doctrine, you know, they teach that as man is, God once was, as God is, man may become, you know, that, that, that Christ was a man just like we are who earned his way to Godhood. That's not what happened. That's not what's happening. What's happening is we are, we, we, we are not God, we will never be God, but because of his sacrifice for us, we can live with him and partake of that same righteousness which he gives us from himself. That's, we are totally at his grace and his mercy to be where we are. Um, his, his, so we have his position that is given to us as sons of God. We have his riches and his possessions uh, which can become our riches um, 
uh, and possessions as well, being heirs with him. So he, Christ, as a possessor of all things, he created all things, and by him all, uh, he, all things were created by him, and all things were created for him. That's stated, we read that in Colossians chapter, chapter 1 and verse 16. The earth and its fullness, all the silver and gold, everything that's precious, all those things were created by him and for him. He's the creator of all things. He, he's, everything is at his feet because he has created them all. He has a title deed for everything. He's the owner of all things. Um, and yet you think about the fact that he came to this world and he took on the likeness of men. And even though he was that creator of all things, he had nowhere while on earth to lay his head. You realize he was buried in a borrowed tomb. And he created the tomb that he was buried in. All those possessions, yet while here on earth, he essentially possessed nothing. Um, he brought in nothing. He took out nothing. That we might become joint heirs to God and joint heirs with Him. He uh, he's, he share he allows us to share in all of those untold riches, all of those possessions, His riches, and uh, uh, that are His possession becoming our possessions as heirs of all things. We become heirs of all things with Him, in whom we we have obtained. An inheritance in him. All things are ours because we are Christ. Because we belong to him. Because we have been redeemed by him. All of those things we can partake in. So his riches, so his riches, his possession, his, his position, his possessions, and now his perfection, which is kind of where I have most of the stuff. So because it's in important and as and as fantastic as all of those possessions and things are but his, yet he imputes not only that but his perfection also into us um, his divine nature I gotta stick close with my notes here because the way I way I wrote this out to uh, to keep up with it uh, his divine nature because in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9. He transfigured to the likeness of men. He was born in a manger. And by nature, uh, in perfection, and by nature, the children of wrath, fulfilling the, the desires of the flesh, he was, he was born among us, the children, of, the children of flesh, that we might be partakers of that divine nature, along with him. First Peter chapter one and verse four again. Now, his divine nature that was in him is now in us as we partake in as we accept him as our Lord and Savior. Now I'm going to go back here and pick up again with his divine with his divine glory. The glory that he had before the world um, he shrouded that glory in human form, bearing our sin in his own body. He set, he set that glory aside so that guilty sinners, who, all who have sinned, all who come short of the glory of God, as you read in Romans chapter 
3 and verse 23 can be redeemed through his blood to be partakers partakers of that divine glory. I have given, and this is taken from uh, um, uh, John chapter 17, I have given them the glory that I had. Um, his divine righteousness, for now the righteousness of God is manifested because he who knew no sin, he was made sin for us. He was under the curse. There is, um, there is none that none righteous. There is none that doeth good. Romans. And Christ has redeemed us from the curse, given us His divine righteousness to be to be made the righteousness of God in Him. So all of this perfection that He possesses, He brings to us through the gospel. These are all the riches of Christ that He gives to us. Now, His divine joy and peace, oh, who doesn't want joy and peace and purpose in their life? All of those things that abided in Him, that abide in the, in the love of the Father, in the Father's love, John chapter 15, you realize he set all of those aside for that time while he was here that we might be able to partake in, those same, in, in that same love and joy and peace. He set all of that aside because he despised the shame that came with being as the sacrificial lamb of God. They, they pulled out his beard. They spat on him. They told him he, he was of the devil that he was um, possessed of a demon, all kinds of things. Anyway, ultimately hanging him on the cross, not, not only did it stop there, but he was also forsaken by the Father. It's the Father turned his back on him for that moment, um, that, that we would, would not be forsaken by the Father for an eternity. He was forsaken by God, uh, that that you know, so that we can have the so that we don't have to stand before God and hear those incredibly uh, fearful uh, words where He says, "Depart from me, I never knew you, uh, were you workers of iniquity." His so that we could have divine fellowship, so that we can be called into the fellowship of His of His Son, so that we can have divine L I F E. His life laid down. He tasted death for every man. Hebrews chapter 2 in verse, in verse 9. He carried those sins because the soul that sins shall die. Because we are dead in our trespasses and sins. He laid down his life for us. So that we don't have to taste that eternal death. But that we can receive the gift from God, which is divine, L-I-F-E, that you can have for eternity. That's awesome. I mean, that's eternal. That's forever. All that joy, all the peace, all the fellowship with God himself and with one another, being able to partake in, that, in, in the glory that, we've only, that we can only see just glimpses through the words of Scripture. And we see how magnificent it is there. And being able to 
also partic- participate in that divine nature. I mean, that's amazing. To be kings and priests with him, to be able to rule and reign with him over the everything. <laughs> you know, God is, God is, well, he's God. He's not a man. That's the reason he can do those things. That's the reason he can be and say and do what he is and, and be how he is. That's the reason he can show himself in three distinct persons, yet be one God. Because he's not a man. And so often it's so easy for us to try to stuff him in that mold that we can see and taste and touch and feel when he is the creator of us. He's not bound like we are. So, what we want to do with all this is we don't want to leave all this beauty hidden. Now we want to take, we want to take all of this beauty that we've talked about, all these riches, all this gospel, and this is where some of your participation will come in. John, so sometimes uh, in church, new programs are needed, but I typically try to think about leveraging what we've got going already, and I don't want to, so not starting a new program, not thinking new, but I want us to think of, of what we already have and what we're doing now, and if possible, take those things, use, leverage those to share the gospel of Christ, Okay. Um, so we're all already busy, so I try not to introduce activities, even, you know, when we were in Utah and stuff, I tried to think in terms of not introducing new activities, but trying to maximize the activities and all those things that we have going on already, because we already have busy lives, and because we already have busy lives, we introduce new stuff, and it's likely to not get done. (laughs) I am as guilty as anybody on that. Um, so... All of you all are strategically located in the center of a network of relationships that most everybody here does not all, does not have. You know, I, I ha, I'm I'm connected with family and friends and coworkers that that none of you are, and you the same, uh, in in your particular location and where God has you has you serving serving and. Uh, uh, we need to. We want to look at those things, and 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 the thing about sharing the gospel in the context of these relationships we already have is that as we as we as we have built these relationships, and we seek to live and to reflect these things uh, uh, that we've talked about that we have in and through God because of the gospel, trying to live out uh, live a way that'll bring Him glory. It creates a you know a history of relationship so there should be trust built there and with that trust brings credibility especially when you're coming at them with something as powerful as the gospel that will say to them you know you are hopeless you are going to die and go to hell that's that's where you stand right now outside of Christ let me give you the good news it's good to have some credibility when that time comes and in, in that time has to come we have to realize where we are so that we can get where we need to be in the gospel, in receiving Christ and in relationship to Him. So, and that obvious implication there means in these relationships that we will have and must have unsaved friends. 
one of the things that Christians tend to do sometimes is we get into our Christian networks and we find ourselves not having very many unsaved friends. It was that way for me for years because of the nature of the ministry where I served and I had to seek out, uh, make constant effort to seek out uh, opportunities to build relationships with people who are not saved to get outside of those, uh, out of these particular circles. I mean, Christ did it. We know that he ate with uh, sinners. He dined with them. Um, I don't think we're above him. So if we have a meal with someone outside of Christ and to build that relationship, to introduce them to him, we should absolutely be doing that. John the Baptist himself pointed his followers to Christ, uh, obviously implying that they were outside of Christ, that they needed Christ. He pointed them. He was the forerunner to Christ. He was not Christ. Andrew brought his brother Peter to Christ. Philip introduced Nathaniel to Christ. Um, so I want to think about a personal touch here. A church's ability to grow, I believe, is inseparably connected to its ability to love. And we express that love in various different ways, you know, in words, uh, oftentimes in deeds. Um, I mean, we have whole books on different languages of love and how to express them and, and all those kinds of things. And all those are, all those are, uh, are valid. But, uh, you know, you, you individuals are together the church. But this responsibility that I'm talking about here is an individual responsibility. It's not a collective or church responsibility. Uh, we are to be giving, we're not just giving the gospel as we come together here corporately, although that happens. These are, we're thinking individually, what you're going to be doing out in your workplace, what you're going to be doing across the fence behind your house as you talk to the neighbors and uh, so on and so forth. So, uh, Involve friends and in activities that will, that will well, first of all, building those friendships and then involve these friendships in activities that will express genuine love, build a meaningful relationship. And, uh, you know, I, this isn't all about ulterior motive of being, you know, these, these friendships are genuine. We genuinely care, we genuinely love, but we genuinely also know that we should be giving the gospel as well. You know, so what might that look like? That's my question to you this morning. As you have opportunities and brainstorm, you know, John's got his microphone there, so anybody that wants to chime in here, what might it look like to build those meaningful relationships that could lead to uh, sharing the gospel? Oftentimes, uh, you know, we don't, we don't, we do sometimes share the gospel when we've met somebody, kind of a cold turkey witness, if you will. But sometimes it takes years to, uh, to build that trust, to get to that point. So, any thoughts on that? Would you like to share? <clears throat> Clear my throat there. <laughs> um, that's something I was emphasizing throughout the class on witnessing, uh, was going back to a model of of us taking the gospel with us where we live life. And so I've been trying to more and more practice that myself. Um, 
I don't want it to be a situation where I'm just telling people this is what the Bible says and then not doing anything with it myself. And one way I do that where, I, where I'm living life, as I've shared before, um, is when I'm doing my uh, Uber and Lyft driving and interacting with people. And more and more, I have been uh, taking the opportunity uh, to give them my card. That um, kind of goes hand in hand with the conversation that, that we have. And, and with that card is uh, a couple of verses on the back. Uh, but with that is an invitation to uh, interact further. And to this date, um, I have to say I haven't had anyone reach out to me uh, having received that card and interacted with me, but it was a step that I wasn't necessarily taking before. And, right. uh, and so it's, it's, it's that beginning step. It's, it's not at that level that you were speaking of a moment ago of building that relationship, but in order to build that relationship, it has to start with that first step. Um, and, and that is an area where I am out among unsaved people a lot. Uh, in our neighborhood, <clears throat> our neighbors right around us, uh, in close proximity, um, they all profess to be Christians. Um, and so it's, it, it's, there's not that there's not greater opportunity within our subdivision. But where I'm connecting with people most is, is in that arena, and that's where I'm talking with unsaved people the most. And so I'm, I'm trying to use that venue um, to more and more talk about um, who I am, because um, that always comes up, and who we are, and Christ, and hopefully God will grant some additional opportunity of some of these folks. Um, so I don't know how to think about that as kind of preparing the ground for the gospel or sowing seed because I'm not really explaining the gospel to them in, in those situations, but it, it's, it's, it's a willingness to uh, step out and uh, have that communication uh, on the level that I can in that context. And so uh, I do believe that that is the biblical model, uh, the primary biblical model um, and that that's where we need to be heading uh, with each of us uh, communicating Christ where he has us living life. And, and so that, that's where I'm at with it and want to grow more. I mean, each, each day I um, pray that God will give me boldness as his ambassador, as his witness, as his servant, as I'm out and interacting with people. You introduced them to thinking on a spiritual level and even if they didn't necessarily reach back to you that at least that thought of spiritual need has been has been introduced yeah just um on friday i was giving a client a ride <clears throat> and the client asked what said before the client i'm i'm not identifying even the gender here uh, <clears throat> because i don't know if they'll end up watching this or not but the client had been telling me all about what was going on and, uh, and, and the life that they have. And 
as we were nearing the end of the trip, the client said, I don't know where you're at spiritually, um, and then began to say a couple things. And then as, as we were concluding the trip, I said, well, this is where I'm at spiritually, and gave the client my card, and uh, the client said, I think this is meant to be. Now, did I, did I explain the gospel in that scenario? No, but hopefully there will be a reach back from this client at some point to have further interaction. I don't know if it'll happen, but at least taking that step to communicate to the extent that I could. Um, and, and that's the type of thing that I'm trying to step into more. Right, absolutely. I mean, I know most of you, because of the sake of time here, we're most of you have hobbies and things that you enjoy. Some of you fish. Someone can go with you. All of us most likely eat out somewhere at some point during the week. Someone can go with you. They would enjoy that. I was thinking uh, we have a fellow, a co-worker that, uh, that works with us that's having surgery this week. We're going to do our best to try to get over and visit with him at the hospital. Those are things that we can do. I'm going back to my evangelism explosion days here for just a moment. One of the things that they used to lay out was a six, it was a six-step um, track toward a, a credible, purposeful gospel witness that went over the course of the year. So every two months they had a goal and uh, to to build in that relationship, once you know they they, they give some suggestions here, talking um, uh, over the over the fence, talking over over coffee, introductory, getting to know them as an acquaintance. Uh, so invite. Then the second step was uh, to invite them to and and begin to get into their secular life as you get to know them better uh, might be to a ball game might be shopping those are things that are just a just a suggestion uh, next thing it might even be a little more intimate uh, lunch uh, barbecue at your house uh, begin talking about family values and the background uh, that they have uh, then again you know uh, inviting them to a similar type of event you know a uh, might be a picnic, might be fishing. Uh, begin to talk about church background. Uh, taking it a step further um, in, the, in the fifth step, which would be the, uh, the, the uh, ninth and tenth month here, you know, over the course of a year. Uh, it might be uh, another event similar, again, using, going back to the similar events of inviting them somewhere with you maybe. Uh, Maybe ladies are doing some sewing, or maybe you, some of you guys like, to, or gals like to golf. You know, get into your own personal testimony, and then uh, eventually you might invite them to church, invite them to another dinner, uh, and then share the gospel. One thing about it, as it's been said, if you fail to plan, you have already planned to fail. If you aim at nothing, you will hit it every time. So we must plan. We must be purposeful. Colossians chapter two, or chapter four, verses two through three. Continue earnestly in prayer, 
uh, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. And wow, and you think about Paul writing that in chains. That's the extent to which he was convicted to share that gospel message, that he would be able to open those mysteries of Christ to people. Well, let's have a word of prayer, and then we are out of time. We will have that break. Father, thank you so much for the being able to uh, share in the class this morning. I pray that uh, praise you first of all for um, challenging my heart afresh in these in uh, with this uh, lesson and uh, with these uh, these uh, truths of Scripture. And Father, we just uh, pray that as we consider these, that you would give us clear direction, help us to plan effectively, Lord, to be purposeful and consistent gospel witnesses that bring you the glory that you deserve because we are ambassadors of Christ, That because we are to go into all the nations and preach the gospel, making disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Lord, that we would be obedient to that great commission to which you've called us. We, we, we seek your face and... Uh, Pray that you will be, that you will be, ever and always the, the, the first and foremost in our life. That you would have the preeminence in our life that you should have, because these things are what matter for eternity. And we praise you for your goodness. Thank you for uh, just shedding your grace on us that we can be together this morning, and be, and be hear your word, and to to study your word, and to encourage one another in and through it. We praise you for your goodness in Christ's name. Amen. This has been an audio recording from the ministry of Jefferson Town Bible Church in Jefferson Town, Kentucky, where we gather to proclaim God's word. For more information, please visit jtownbible.org.